0: Namaste, welcome to Colin Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Colin Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtan Mala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India.
1: It's more like an ability to let go. Hey, everybody. Let's welcome each other to our
2: minds.
1: (laughs) Let's, Let's all close our eyes for a minute. So now we're united in the space of the heart. This is where we always are. Together with all beings. It's just as if we're sitting in one room together. This room happens to be Earth at this moment. Just be with the breath. Take a few deep, long, deep breaths. Let the body relax. Let all the tension that we carry around bouncing off the walls of our homes. Let's let it go. Sharon Salzberg and I once were doing a workshop in uh, L.A. And we had such a nice time. So at the end I said, wouldn't it be great if we could all all live together? And then I laughed and I said, well, that's what we're doing. That's Earth. (laughs) Earth is our home at this point and it just didn't give us a user manual. We're having to figure that out. So this time that we, we're so apparently disconnected from everything is, can be very useful and it is useful even if we're suffering and within all the difficulty it's going to change the way we sit in ourselves, it has to, regardless of what we think about it. And to make us much more aware of our own stuff and everybody else's stuff, but also aware that we need to care about other people too in this world. Not just our close friends and family, but everything anyone on this planet does affects everybody. And at some point, the amount of toxicity causes suffering for everyone. The main toxicity is the selfishness and the self-centeredness that we carry within us. So, all the practices that we do are all about one thing. And that's to release us from the prison of egoistic, self-centered actions and considerations. So there are two paths to that. One is the path of, you could say, devotion, or loving kindness, caring. And the other path is a path of jnana, or wisdom which they say is more difficult to follow because of our attachment to our body. But really, there's only one path, and that path is each of our lives. And within that life that we're living, we need to find a way to become good human beings. And it's only from following the path of Dharma, the spiritual path, that we can become good human beings, whatever that means to each of us. Our motivations begin to come from kindness and compassion. Our caring about other people increases, so our obsession with ourselves decreases. And how we feel and how am I, how am I now, how am I now, how am I now, all day long. You know, the movie of me. So how do we free ourselves from this prison of meanness of ego, of the belief and that we are separate from everybody. And it's around that sense of separateness that all our suffering revolves. When that planet of me dissolves, there's nothing for the suffering to revolve around, to orbit around. It goes and finds somebody else to bother so let's take some questions and then we'll just see how the day goes
3: thank you so much for this and for everything you're doing right now it's so wonderful and so nourishing you tell a story in flow of grace and in uh, chance of a lifetime about visiting a saint at an ashram said you need to develop willpower (laughs) you talk about how you you let you see that you were kind of crippling yourself and preventing yourself from jumping 100% into life. And then you go on to say that developing that willpower was one of the things that allowed you to begin to sing with people. And that, that speaks to me so much because I really need to develop that willpower. So how do I go about it?
1: Well, the first step is recognizing what the situation really is. And then you... You just have to apply yourself. When, that, when that, that yogi told me that, it was such a shock because I didn't see myself that way. So when I saw myself, when he showed me what he was seeing inside of me, it was, it was a revelation and a shock to my system also. And that was just, it's when you see through something, that's that when you know something, then you know and then the rest of your life aligns yourself around with that aligns itself with that knowing it's not like there's any one thing to do or not to do but then from that point on you have a different sense of direction and the, and your life begins to align itself with that direction so it, you know teachers give techniques and there are so many techniques and so many ways to to calm the mind and Purify the heart, but the reality is that it's our lives that are our path, and there's not like a spiritual path somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're walking here, and oh, now that you found the spiritual path, you'll be walking on the other side of the street, you know, and only wearing white clothes and only talking to people, you know, you know. So it's not like that, you know. It's it's you are the path, and. When you understand something or have an insight as, into your own stuff, then that's the, the, the root of that stuff is essentially cut. And then it just takes time for the tree to fall. So you just, because you'll, you'll start living your life in a different way. What he said to me wasn't new either. I, I, you know, I had, before I left, before I went to India, Ram Dass and I and others were up at the Lama Foundation in New Mexico for the winter. And we did a lot of singing and meditating and whatever the hell we thought we were doing. And to, we heard about this guy, this New York artist, who had gone to India and learned how to meditate, and then gone to meditate and had uh, moved out to New Mexico and was living just down the mountain from the Lama Foundation. So we, a few of us went down to see him. Wow, he knows how to meditate, you know. And we spent the afternoon with him talking, and I didn't say anything. I was just listening and hanging out kind of in the back. And so I was the last one to leave the room. And as I was walking out the door, he grabbed my arm. And he said to me, you, <laughs> you, you have to find out why it is you, you can't give yourself 100% to whatever you're doing. And, you know, I can still feel his hand. That was so, that was so amazing. It was so true of me, especially at that time. And even now, I, the ability to give yourself a hundred percent to whatever you're doing is like, almost like becoming God, you know, it's, it's who can do that in a way, in a conscious way, not in like watching a movie where you're totally gone but being present and really being there and really with. And so that when I first heard chanting in India, all the lights went on for me. And I thought, ah, I could do this, you know, this, I wanna do this, this is, and, and that's how I started chanting really, because I recognized this was, this is one thing I could do. If I couldn't do anything else in life, I, I could do this. So it's that kind of thing, you know, it's your life has already in it, everything in it that you need and you already are everything you need to be. We just have to recognize what that is, you know, and it's a done deal. It's just, you know, we've been shot out of the cannon. We just haven't hit the ground yet. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Namaste. Okay.
4: Hello, I have a question. Can you please tell us how did Maharaji send you home and how was that?
1: (laughs) Well, you're looking at it. That's how it is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had been in India two and a half years already. He kept me there. He allowed me to stay. Arranged my visas for me, actually. And it's funny, I was just thinking about this. So, there were He had disappeared, okay, it was like early December, 1972. And he had disappeared, nobody knew where he was. So, a friend of mine and I, we went to Delhi, and I think we were staying at a devotee's house. And this devotee was a very close devotee of Maharaji, Mr. Barman. And somehow or other, we got a feeling that Mr. Barman had gone somewhere with Maharaji. So we kind of leaned on his driver, who I met after 50 years, a couple of years ago, when I went to Japan. He's living there now, my good friend, Habibullah. So he said, well, I can't tell you where Maharaji's gone, but, uh, but I'll tell you where Mr. Barman has gone. He said, he's gone down to, to Bombay, and he's, he stays at this hotel called the Nataraj Hotel. So me and my, my friend, we got on a plane. She had some money, luckily. I was broke always in India. So we got on a plane, and we went down to Bombay, and we went to this hotel, and we sat in the lobby of the hotel all day. And in the evening, Mr. Brahman comes in, and he sees us, and he says, "Krishnadas, Das, what are you doing here? And we said, Mr. Barnett, we heard Maharajas in Bombay. He said, really? Maharaji in Bombay? Oh, my God. Well, come up to my room, order some food, relax. I have to go out on some business and when I come back, we'll try to find him. So, I was, I went, oh, if he doesn't know where he is, how are we going to ever find him? And I was like, suicidal you know what are we going to do now we'll never find him where is he so we were up in the room and a couple of hours later there's a bang on the door the door opens and in walks maharaji firm. he had just lied to us of course he knew where he was he was with him so from that day on for two weeks almost i think it was close to two weeks maybe 10 days every day we'd spend many hours with maharaji every day so <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story. So, Draupadi, who is a, a wonderful devotee of Maharaji, and I, we were sharing a hotel room. And I was celibate in those days, and I had been celibate for almost two years in India. And sharing a room with a, with a beautiful woman it was kind of getting to me. So one day I said to Maharaji in Hindi, I said, Maharaji, so nobody, so Draupadi wouldn't know what I was saying. I said, Maharaji you know, every once in a while, lust comes. So he said, he looks at Drobadi, Drobadi, get him his own room. Right? Oh, there's a dog. Who's that? (laughs) So, so I had my own room. It was so great, you know. However, I just realized this a couple of days ago. So, shortly after that, Maharaji sent me back up to Dada's house and they and he left India, and Draupadi went away. And then I later found out that Draupadi had gone with Maharaji, and they had gone on a tour of South India with other devotees. If I hadn't said that about getting horny, I would have been on that tour with them, but that's what happened. So, the reason I tell you that, so then Maharaji sent me to Dada's house and he told me he would meet me there. But I waited for like a month. And, uh, and more and more, and he never showed up. So then I decided to go, oh no, no, sorry. Here's what happened. So before we left Bombay, one day we were sitting with Maharaji all day and he looks at me and he says, you go back to New York, you, have, you go back to America. You have attachment there. And I was just like, what? You know, I'm just learning Hindi. Too bad. You have to go. So he told me to leave when my visa was up, which was at the beginning of March. So all through January and February, I was in Allahabad. And then towards the, just before March, I heard he was in Brindab and, and I went there. And now he wouldn't see the Westerners because there were these, the, the local visa guy was trying to get bribes from him. You know, to, to help the Westerners stay, he wanted bribes. So Maharaji got pissed off and he wouldn't let the Westerners come in to see him. And this went on for like a couple of weeks, I think. And then finally, one day we were sitting and it was the day that I had to leave. for for Delhi to catch a plane back to America. All of a sudden, he let the Westerners in. So we rush into him. Everybody's crying and laughing and happy. And I was freaked out because I didn't know what I was going to do in America. I've been in India for two and a half years. I spoke English. Like this, hello, yes, now coming, now going, yes, very good, thank you. You know, and I've been walking around in a red dress and barefoot. You know, I don't think that's going to fly in New York. So, I'm sitting there in front of him, and I'm saying to myself, I have to ask him what to do in America, right? And But then the other part of me was saying, how dare you, don't be so stupid. You should have faith. What's wrong with you? Just go. Everything will be okay. What do you mean everything's going to be okay? I don't know. What I, I, What I am I going to do in America? I was freaked, you know? So finally, I blurted out. I said, Baba, how can I serve you in America? And he went, ah. It was like he bit a pickle, you know? It was like, ah. What a horrible, what a totally self-centered question. I really wasn't thinking about him at all. I was worried about me. So, so he looks at me and he says, he says just, just do what you want. Now, I'd been celibate for almost two and a half years. I knew what I wanted to do. And he knew what I wanted to do. <laughs> so my mind just stopped. And I thought, how could, how could doing, doing what I want to do be safe serving him? And he just laughed. And he looked at me and so, said, how will you serve me, Ah,
3: and he laughed.
1: And then it was time to go. So I got up and I walked across the courtyard and I bowed down to him from across the courtyard. Last time I saw him physically, so far. And I heard in my mind, my own voice speaking, but it wasn't me speaking but it was my voice and it said I'll sing to you in America I didn't say that I heard it I'll sing to you in America and I thought "Oh, okay and then I left and that's that's what's been happening so you know, at the time, I thought, what did he mean? He said, I have to go back to America. I have attachment there. I had left everything. I sold my car, my guitar, my record collection. I gave my jeans away. I, didn't have, I had a couple of boxes of stuff in my mother's basement, but I had left for good. I was never coming back. I didn't know what he meant. Now, if I look at my life, the last... How many years? 49 years. Is it how many years? No, no. From 73 to what? 70, 83, 93, 2003, 13. 47 years. Everything that's happened to me my whole life, everything in it. That's what he was talking about. These were the karmas that were inside of me. That had to come out. It wasn't enough for me sitting in India and avoid my life. These karmas had to be, they had to work out. They had to come out. They had to be lived out. Now well, that's what he meant. And the question was how to live through your life, how to actually live it in the best way possible, you know? And that's what's taken all these years to figure out how to get through the day in the best way, being kind to myself and kind to others as best I can. You know, we think that there's some other place to go. You know, we think we want to be in some blissful state where we'll always be happy and everything will always be wonderful. You know, it just doesn't work like that. That state is already within us. It's not something we get. It's something we uncover by living in a good way and by doing some practice to help that happen. It's not about trying to hold on one state and avoid the things we don't like. It's not possible. We have to open and allow life to come to us and we have to get the strength to deal with all the, the the unprocessed karmas, all the stuff in our hearts, all the hurts, all the betrayals, all the broken heart, hearted moments, we, we have to live with that. We have to open to that, and we have to we have to learn to love that too, and that part of ourselves. Because if we don't. It's ourselves. We are hurting ourselves. So it's all about that. And the reason I wanted to stay in India because I hated myself and I wanted to be somebody else. <laughs> and being Krishna Das in India at that time was being somebody else. There was no, I was no longer the guy who grew up in New York. But that, that couldn't last, you know, that, and in fact, you know, I was so, I had so much energy. I, I almost walked around like a, a robot because the energy couldn't go through me. There was so much blockage. There was so much tension and fear in my heart. So I had to live through all this stuff in order to see that clearly and to let go of it and continually try to find a good way to live. That makes me happy also. So, yeah. So, really, all the practices that we do, yoga, meditation, chanting, it's all about feeding our own hearts in a way that allow us to, to really be here in a good way and be happy. Because our nature is happy. Our true nature is just fine inside, but we've, it's been covered up by a lot of shit and a lot of painful experiences. And we all share that, all of us. So the spiritual path is about learning how to not transform, that's the wrong word, but to release all that stuff over and over again. Release it. Come back. Release it. Release it release the fear release the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves that we believe about ourselves oh i'm not enough i'm no good you know i'm this i'm that all the things we tell ourselves and we torture ourselves with that stuff and we never we never question why we believe that stuff it's so natural to us to have those feelings so that's why when you, when you chant or you meditate or something, you bring, you bring in that object, your object of concentration, the thing you're supposed to be paying attention to, say the mantra. And then, after a minute or two, you notice you haven't been paying any attention. So you come back. And then you notice again. So you come back. And that trains us little by little to, to be, be more here and more present with ourselves. Because we start to notice how we go through the whole day completely lost in thought or thinking about the future, the past, what do I want, what I don't want, what I don't have, what I have, all that stuff. So, it's just a question of slowing down and learning to uh, give ourselves a break, keep coming back. That gives the heart strength. All right, thank you.
5: Take care.
6: I'm uh, happy to see you.
3: Hello.
6: Um, I've been following you around for a number of years here and there.
1: Oh, that was you.
6: Yeah, I've been around. And I, I, I spread what I learned from you and from Duff to anybody else that'll listen, just about love. Just be love. You are love. you know. I recently got a uh, terminal cancer diagnosis, and I probably have 12, 18 months, something like that, which is yeah, it is what it is. But I realized that my focus is becoming, how do I prepare myself to leave my body? What is left for me to need to do? And then, you know, how do I stand on the end of the bedpost and leap?
1: Well, you know, they say the worst thing that in India, they say the worst thing that can happen to you is uh, sudden death. Mm. And the mantra that they, that you that is said as you take charanamrit from the temples many of the you know take the the blessings from the temples is to protect you from sudden death i forget the whole mantra but it's something like call mrtyu hananam vishnu padodakam pitam something 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 you take the water from the feet of the lord to protect you against sudden death because at that point you have no no chance to prepare it's like when you're in one room and then you're in another room and you don't know where you are. So that's, so there's good news and bad news. You know? <laughs> so you have time to to come to terms with everything, you know, and recognize what can be done, what can't be done. You have time to take care of all the worldly stuff that you might want to take care of, to visit with people that you would like to say hello and goodbye to. I had a close friend, very close friend, and but I hadn't seen him in years and all of a sudden he wrote, called me out of the blue and he said, hey, you want to have dinner? I said, yeah, sure. So he and his wife came and we went out to dinner and towards the end of the dinner he looks at me and he said, he said, so we okay? I said, yeah, why? No, I'm just checking to make sure, you know, that everything's good with us, you know, I love you and I, yeah, sure okay yeah we're good no problem because we'd had some over the years we had many different issues so he just was and then two months later he died and i realized that's what he did that on you know he wanted and i heard from other people later that he'd gone around and just checked in with everybody how we doing we okay anything you know anything left over you know, any, any emotion, you know, anything you want to talk about? So that's a good thing to do. Mm. And then, you know, of course, and then, of course, the other, another thing is forgiveness. Cultivate forgiveness, you know. And anybody who comes up into your mind that you're, you'd like to stick a poker up their ass forgive, And it's like, I remember in the the Metta practice, the loving kindness practice, the first time I did it uh, with Sharon at IMS, you have to at one point offer this, these phrases of caring and kindness to your enemy, they call it the enemy. And I would say, may you be safe, you son of a bitch. May be happy so you don't fuck me up anymore. May be peace (laughs) so you can leave me the fuck alone that was the best i could do at the time but it was a beginning you know but still that's very important and if you can't forgive that's okay too don't force it but recognize what recognize the situation right you know don't try to make it all all right that's not what you're trying to do some things you can't make all right that's okay but you can be with the fact that they're not all right and you can, you can still offer that forgiveness, the whole, without trying to manipulate it. You're not, you're not trying to manipulate things, okay? You're just trying to be with them, give them space to breathe. And, you know, what I, you know, having spent so much time with Ramdas mm-hmm. in this period of his life, and especially in the few days before he died, he was so at ease. so at ease, so ready to just release and let go, and so happy, (laughs) you know, so much love, you know, because really there's nobody in this world that doesn't die. So, and they say that we've all done this a million times. So the best way to, to move from this room to that room is with, at, with ease of heart. And re- keep releasing anxiety and fear. And just recognize you've done the best you can. And you're still doing the best you can. And you'll continue to do the best you can. And if you feel close to Maharaji, talk to him. He'll meet you. You won't have to go alone. You don't go alone. Nobody goes alone. Everybody gets greeted by somebody. And he'll be right there. Thank you. Okay. God bless. Take good care. I'm Ram Ram. Ram Ram pretty How are you? Burya.
7: Burya. Huh. Nice to hear that. Could we talk about letting go
8: and surrender?
1: Nah, just do it. (laughs)
8: Practices.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think until you try to do a practice, you don't recognize how, how gone we are all the time, you know? When you try to sit down and look at your breath, or repeat some mantra, or count backwards from one from a hundred to one, you don't experience how completely out of impossible it is for us to do anything like that. You know, I mean. So surrender is is not just the goal, but it's also the path. It's 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 you could it's just like devotion. It's not only the path, but it's the goal itself to live in that space, that open space. When you're surrendered, what, no, you have no problems. All problems are the Lord's problems. None of them are your problems. And when you surrender, you it, surrender happens because you realize your inability to do anything, to save yourself. You, re, you recognize how, you know, when I, when, once again, when I hurt my knee in India and I came to Maharaji, I, I, I thought I was going to go to the hospital, so I was going to tell him I wouldn't be there for darshan. And, and he didn't send me away. We weren't supposed to be there until 4 in the afternoon, but this was early morning. So I was sitting there, and I limped in. I could hardly walk. Ragu helped me walk in. You know, and, I, and I sat down. He didn't say anything. Like, why did you come early? And what's wrong with you? Nothing. He just sat there for a few minutes. Then he gets up and he leans, takes Gurudatt Sharma's hand, and he walks to the back of the temple. And the further he way got, further away he got from where I was sitting, he started to lean on Gurudatt, and like walk like this, you know. And I thought, I, really, I went. He can hardly he looks like he can't even walk. Oh shit! He's taking on the karma of my knee. The minute I thought that, the second I thought that, he turned around and ran back to the decket. He plops down and he pets me on the head and he said, you thought I was in pain, you wanted to help me? No, oh, good boy, you know. So we just sat there. I. You know, we and then finally other Westerners arrived and Larry and Girija came and Girija was sitting there and Maharaji reached into her jewel and pulls out her Bible. And he opens it, apparently at random, just opens it. He said, read this. Okay. So I read it and it's from St. Paul, Letters to the Corinthians. And it says, in order to save me from being elevated by the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the side. And I asked the Lord three times to remove it from me. And the Lord said, My grace is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is made perfect in your weakness. The fact that God is doing everything becomes apparent to us when we recognize how little we can do, except to recognize that and surrender, let go again and again. So not too long ago, Ram Dass and I were sitting together and I remembered that story. I was telling it to him and he said, yeah, we're proof of that. (laughs) (laughs) So I made two t-shirts, one for me and one for him, it said proof. (laughs) <laughs> so what does that mean my grace is sufficient for thee my strength is made perfect in your weakness so recently uh, parvati found this quote and sent it to uh ramesh Rydas, who's working on the new book and i'm going to read it to you to everyone this is Ram Dass. I don't know when he wrote this, but he writes this. I now accept that his grace is sufficient for me. I need nothing more. Though I have no powers, no great visions or astral contacts, no super energy which frees from sleep, nor am I yet purged of all worldly desires, yet His grace is sufficient, for I am coming to know the power of love. My strength is made perfect in my, in your weakness." That's the quote. I am coming to suspect that I have been seeking and expecting the wrong sign and that who we are to become we already are but the humbleness of the sign of the spirit leads us to overlook it i think in my western desire mind i have wanted great powers to heal and impress those who are impressed by power that the spirit exists to impress myself but as faith grows I come to see that power attracts power and love attracts love. And I am blessed enough to transcend the need for power. Then I shall become love and know only love in all whom I meet. That is heaven on earth. That's the truth. All we can do is keep offering ourselves to that love the love that we long for, the love that we, almost, we believe unconsciously we'll find somewhere else. But that love is already here within us. And when we see it within us, we see it everywhere and in everyone. And as Ram Dass got closer and closer to leaving the body he became more and more radiant, more and more full of that love.
9: Thank you so much for all you're doing. Really, really, it's uh, been a lifesaver in this whole uh, crisis. So thank you from the bottom of my heart.
1: Yeah, for me too.
9: <laughs> so I loved your session on Thursday and the the Davy rave at the end there, which was such a special piece my question is when you were so when you came back from india and you had your karmas that you referred to earlier how did you pull yourself out of the the, the suffering and the pain after you got back from india did you do spiritual practices during that period or only when you had tried everything else <laughs> how, how did you pull yourself out from from the suffering and the pain
1: i didn't <laughs> Okay. They're still suffering. There's still pain.
9: Specifically from, from the, the addiction issues and some of those types of things that many people are struggling with right now in our world.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, all the blessings I had received and all those years. I still hated myself so much and it tortured my I lived in like a, a very dark state of mind most of the time. Life was very difficult and it was not easy for me to be me and I don't know how I, I lived, lived through all that stuff, but I did and at some point you know I recognized. I had an epiphany in my room in New York and I realized that if I did not sing with people, I would never clean out those dark corners in my own heart. And I recognized that it was only those shadows that were causing me suffering. So at that point, I hadn't been singing hardly at all, really. A little bit here and there, but not, not wholeheartedly, really. So it was just a question of, you know, beginning to see that that's that I had that it was all coming from inside of me. Nobody could do it except me, so I better do it. And for me, that was the chanting practice was was the main practice. But even so, that was all grace, Frank. That was all the grace, Maharaj's grace, that it came that it that all that happened, you know, and it was my desire to be free of the pain and that that allowed it to happen, you could say, because you need, if you want something enough, you can do it, you can get it, but it's it's that, the, this, the stuff with, with addiction is that there's so many conflicting desires in the soup and we have no Way to calm ourselves down to release those desires, release those identifications, release those negative emotions. So we go from one to the other to the other, and then we get a little break. We go, you know, we don't have any leverage to let go of those things. So the leverage comes from practice and from getting in touch with what you really want in life and going for it. And as as I say that, we go back to the question before. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength, the strength of your own inner self, is made perfect in the fact that your ego can't do anything to help itself. Like Ramana Maharshi said, asking the mind to destroy the mind or the ego to destroy the ego is like asking the thief to be the policeman. There'll be a lot of investigation, but no arrest will ever be made. But one has to go deeper than that. To be, and the going the deeper, that is the grace. Recognizing that on this level, we can't do very much to help ourselves. But by going deeper and turning within, we can achieve anything we want. And in terms of the addiction issues and those kind of things it's very one of the most important things is to have a sangha or a satsang a group of people that you can open up with that you can listen to and be heard by and share the path with people who are trying to do the same thing and that's that's the power of of satsang or sangha that's very important the company you keep you're going to hang out with people shooting heroin 24 7 365 you know it's if there's any part of you that wants to do that you'll be doing it so you you have to take yourself out of those situations and give yourself a chance to breathe and that's comes from inner strength from listening to your own inner heart and that heart is full of grace, as it is. And so when we turn to that, we, 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 we tune into the, the grace, which gives us strength. It's not the ego itself, so to speak, but it's, it's a deeper part of us. And you need a lot of help. I had lots of help. I have people who love me and cared for me, and even though I was a total asshole, they seem to love me. I don't know why. They did. So they do. All
9: right. <laughs> no Thank you. Yeah.
5: Take care. Hello. Hello.
9: Hi.
5: Uh, hi. I feel like you've been answering my question. All afternoon but I'm gonna ask and it's a, it's about pain I started a meditation practice because I didn't like my own mind right and then everything came up and in that meditation, <laughs> everything came up and I was so surprised I really couldn't yeah. do Everything. and so what happened is as trauma material came up it got very deeply embedded in the body and this is about Uh, 10 years ago and it's still there and it's it's painful it's very tight tissues you know kind of a chronic pain syndrome so that I can sleep a walking sitting lying down everything is painful the pain never leaves so this is the thorn in the side and
1: sounds like a whole thorn bush
5: yeah. And I'm, as I keep trying to work with it and not be defeated by it, I think so much of the people who face tremendous physical pain. I think of Ramdas. And I'm just astounded by these people because I have a lot of pain, bodily pain. Mm. It, uh, and so I, I just wanted to hear you speak about your experiences with those people. just astounded that they could do it you know or what were they doing how did they work through it how did they not get trapped in when this leaves then i can do this but they're you're in it that's what it is i i'm just so curious
1: well in some sense it's because they surrendered to it completely yeah they weren't trying to They gave up wishing that it wasn't there and hoping for a different future.
10: Mm.
1: Not to say they didn't... Randa's had massage, he had, you know, he had body work, all this stuff. He had, but it wasn't... He wasn't trying to make something happen. Inside, he had surrendered to the situation and was dealing with it all the time, letting go and expanding through it. You're getting caught in the contraction
5: right, the contraction, yeah, which seems to to yeah. grab my attention, of
1: course it does yeah
5: and I, I have a very wonderful therapist, and we're working through it mm-hmm. good I think to me it, it, you know i I hear I hear letting go, letting go, yeah, and not sure how are, to
1: are you aware help. of your pain right this second?
5: Yes, as yeah. you're talking, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's there, but as you're talking, I think your mind is not on it at that very second. It comes back to it.
5: it it's more dual. It's there, uh-huh. okay. And then also, I can. I've been working. It's not like it's taking over yeah. my life. Well,
1: that's that's very that's a great accomplishment. So you just have to recognize that. There's a lot that goes on around pain. I'm not an expert on this. There are people who really know how to deal with this stuff, by the way. And you can seek those people out who they really know how to deal, how to work with. This kind of issue, but you'll see if you notice that a lot of the times you're more stuck in like, it'll always be like this. I'm never going to get over it. This is, it's always, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thinking. And that adds that adds like a slap in the face to the pain, you know.
5: I think so because I noticed that I kept saying to myself, "I can't stand this," but it's been years. You've been so standing. It. I can stand it yeah. because I've already stood it.
1: And recognize that strength that you have—that's oh. extraordinary. Yeah, really, uh, I mean, I t- if I stub my toe in the morning, it's over for the day.
5: Yeah. I'm finished. I I do, I do think that that is part of it. is is instead of getting rid of something, Mm -hmm. it's like building some other, recognizing some other capacity.
1: Yeah. You know, one time Mrs. Tiwari had terrible, my Indian mother and father, she had terrible diabetes, terrible. And she couldn't take insulin for it because as a good Indian wife, Ma, Mr Tewari had been told to be a fruitarian by Maharaji. Oh. So he gave up all grains and stuff like that. So she also did. And because she didn't eat certain foods, she wasn't able to do insulin. So her blood sugar was like mm. so she had neuropathy. She had oh. hands of stone and feet of stone yeah. with you know. And one time she was lying there writhing in pain. Mm. And I just said, "Ma are you okay? And she, she looked at me, she said,
3: machine broken, inside, okay.
5: (laughs) I, I'm just amazed by that. I, that is so inspiring. That is, I used to be depressed by stories like that because I'd be like, well, they can do it and I can't. But now I'm more just amazed.
1: But you're doing it already. Yeah, you are it hasn't killed you it hasn't destroyed you it hasn't stopped you from living yeah. you're doing it you can just you can probably go deeper
3: yeah.
1: you know when we were i went with the up to this place called Chitrakut with the tawaris it's a place where ram and sita and lakshman lived when they were exiled from the kingdom and there's an incredible mountain what's it called kamudgiri right Big mountain. And it, there's like hundreds of these steps. Each one is like a foot high up to work up to the top of the mountain. So me, Mr. Tuari and Jivanda, we were, and Mrs. Tuari, we were walking. And Mrs. Tuari, she, she went up that mountain like it was sliding downhill. She left us in the dust. And we like look at each other. What? You know? She, she had this ability to overcome with her inner strength. Because this was a very holy place. And she, she entered this, you know, she got into a very open, juicy-hearted space. And that strength from her heart carried her right up the mountain, even though her body was broken. It's amazing. So, yeah, uh, it won't always be like this like it is right this second, every second is new. And the more your mind, the subtler your your awareness gets, you notice, you really, it changes the way you live in your body, it changes the way you inhabit the body and what you feel and how you feel what you feel. So there's a lot that you can do to, to affect the way that you, 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 you exist in the body, a tremendous amount that you
5: can I, do. I think it has made me see that my body is a story. You know, we think of a story as a mental yeah. thing, but my, my body believes, some, believes something about the world or about how people are in the world
2: mm.
5: that is not, true in an absolute sense Mm -hmm. but it's very helpful to hear about these hear about ramdas hear about people who really need these things Mm -hmm. and and without it having to go away
3: without
5: it having to go away that's what's amazing to me without it ramdas was not cured of his stroke no no not at all so anyways i just wanted to get another little Good you're about just a little bit more thank you so much
1: okay all the best
8: first of all we were a lot of us were supposed to be in Maui last week with, with you and uh, even though we're missing that it's nice to have all of the virtual meetings with you and it's been such a such a pleasure and, and thank you so much for doing that for all of us for one thing and the other thing is I, I really enjoy like the beginnings when you do like the Hanuman I what is it Hanuman prayer or whatever it is and the end when you do your or try to live in a good way and, and all that it's kind of like to me it feels like a little bit of a guided meditation do you have any like longer of those meditations are you planning to do any of those in any way? <laughs> I know it's not really your thing I know chanting is your thing but
1: short answer is probably not no I don't think I do you never know. But yeah, I don't think of it at that in that way. But so there wouldn't be more of that coming. But you never know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it is in a sense of visualization or meditation. Yeah, like in some way, sure. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank okay, you. thank you. Take Go care. Ahead. All right. very well I can hear can you hear the ocean. I hear the ocean in the distance.
5: Oh yeah, I hear it.
1: Yeah, good. <laughs> Bye-bye.
8: So I have a question. You talk about these big gurus, these grandmasters that you have met that have already left the body. And my question is, is there still those kind of gurus left that are still in their bodies?
1: On one hand, those gurus were never in their bodies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They only look that way to us they were never identified with their bodies at all like we do so it's it's like you can't really talk about it like that but yes they're always our masters on the planet they're always they're always available and they're always they're always doing just what they have to be doing all the time we're always in we're always in we have each of us has a lineage that we've been a part of for lifetimes we all have a guru but most of us don't see that outside of us at this point yeah so the saints are always here and when we're supposed to meet them we meet them they're running the show we're not but that doesn't mean we can't or shouldn't be actively you know doing what we can do to overcome our limitations and open ourselves up because the real guru is always within us as our true nature as our own soul they know that we don't that's the only difference it's a big difference, <laughs> but, but it's the only difference. So, all we have to do is, if we found our own true nature, then we'd, we'd be one with every being in the universe, including all the great masters. So, but it's not up to us to find them. They find us when we need to be found. So, if that's not happening, the way we think it should happen, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> you no. Know? Stop living. That's it. I'm off the path. I'm only watching TV from now on. It's it. Goodbye. Try it. You know, it won't work either. So we're always where we are and who we are. And we want to be as open as we can. We want to be free of our limitations. We want to dance. We want to have fun. We want to have joy in life. So we better work on it. Because that's our job. And you live in New Zealand, for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, what, a, what was that beach I went to with the black sand? Oh my God. So Taranaki. beautiful. My favorite place. Which one? Taranaki. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
8: So beautiful yeah. there. It's a beautiful place. I'm, I'm yeah. actually stuck in isolation here. Because
1: really? Oh.
8: I'm from here originally. a. Great place to be right now.
1: Yeah, how long do you have to be in isolation?
8: We're getting a press conference today, later in the afternoon. Uh So we'll find out. We've been in isolation for six weeks already. Oof. Okay. And uh, maybe we'll be free to move this week, which will be exciting.
1: Where are you in in Auckland?
8: No, I'm one and a half hour from Auckland in in the Coromandel Peninsula.
1: It's a town called Thames. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful.
8: Yeah.
1: Well, I hope you get out of the house. <laughs> <soon>. <laughs>
8: Thank you. <laughs> all
1: right. Anything else?
8: That was all I had
1: today. Thank okay. you. Take
7: good care. Oh, I actually didn't expect to, you know, get to speak because I yeah, okay. Hi. I'm Hi. a I'm a huge fan. You and don't look uh, that huge? Yeah, I'm tiny. I'm a, i am was actually thinking of a lot of things to ask because there are a lot of things I would like to know. But being as a, as a tiny yogi, I sometimes get a lot of uh, epiphanies on my path, and sometimes it's a little confusing between the mind and what the universe is saying. So the balance between the two becomes a little difficult. Sometimes I feel it's my head telling me things. And not the universe. I because I do feel like I understand a certain sense of energies, but sometimes I get I don't want to be cocky about it and be like, I know it. But you know, it's just a little it's a little difficult to find that balance.
3: Mm.
7: So is there something that you would, you know, advise?
1: Well do what you want. <laughs>
7: There, but you, you, you know, it's just that I think that's true. Sometimes it feels like maybe it's not right. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe I'm Definitely. just getting too into it. My parents get scared; they're worried I might just go off somewhere and meditate for hours. Make it sound like it's a bad thing.
1: Do what you want.
7: <laughs> yeah, I think it that's comes true. down to
1: that. You have to find out what you want, what you want inside, what you really want. Don't, your thoughts, your understandings of the universe.
7: To say, but you to. Uh,
1: do what you want. Find out what you want, do it, go for it. Don't look for messages, it's all bullshit. <laughs> and so your mind interpreting things according to its own subjective version. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself, calm your ass down, listen to yourself, calm down, find out what you want and be that person, be that way, do that, go for that. Don't, don't, I don't know. Because if you really get a message from the universe, you will know, you know, you'll be on your back, on your face, on the floor. So don't worry about that. Just don't think on it. All this is thought stuff. When I, I want you to feel, 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 feel who you are, feel what you are, find out what you and then, then you'll begin to see how you stop yourself from doing what you want. Then you'll be able to get rid of something, all the things that stop you from being who you are and what you really want. You know, I'm very, I'm very dull and, and insensitive. I don't get messages from anybody, but I follow my heart. Mm-hmm. I started singing because I knew that's what I had to do, right? I didn't need messages from outer space. But
7: did you question it?
1: No. Why would I question it? It's what I wanted. The, oh, wait a second. You mean you're not supposed to want what you want?
7: I don't. It sometimes, you know, gets a little, it ah. gets Doing thoughts sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot going on between your ears. Yes. But don't listen.
7: <laughs> that's true.
1: Feel, feel, feel. Slow down and feel.
7: Yeah, I mean, that's something that is a process as well. Uh, learning it as I go. So I'm trying to find that balance between life and the spiritual space. I'm trying to, I don't know.
1: There's no that. balance.
7: Is it all chaos? Is it always chaos? It's what? Is it always chaos?
1: On one level? Yeah, sure. On another level, it's all fine.
5: Sure. What's that?
1: Chaos is in your mind, in the way you see the world. That's your subjective Mm -hmm. programs only. Feel. Get out of your head and feel.
7: Thank you. I will definitely try doing
1: that more. Yeah. I mean, love lives within you already as who you really are. So you're not going to find anything outside that's going to be that. That's going to be you, who you really are. It's all within you already. And if you don't trust yourself, if you don't let yourself follow your heart and go through your life in the best way that you can for you, where will you find yourself? It's inside of you already. It's you looking out of your eyes. Right now. Thank you. Don't cry too much or break your glasses.
7: <laughs> a big glasses. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Take care of yourself, okay? Be good to yourself.
3: Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
1: Hi there, Krishnadas. I'm I'm just curious if you ever encountered Maynard Ferguson. No, I never met Maynard. Ramdas knew him well in the old days. Of course, uh, he used to live at Millbrook with them too, taking acid all the time and playing trumpet. What, did he play trumpet or flugelhorn? Flugelhorn and trumpet. Yeah. But he he also lived and taught in India for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. And I th- I think there was I think because of that connection. I was just curious. Thank you yeah. so much for all you do. Thank you very much, Stu.
4: So my question is, is about kind of children. And I think one is the concern when, when you have spoken over these past weeks about, you know, finding your own dharma and surrender and allowing life to, to give you the path and you see happiness around and see love around. I think my concern is as parents, we tend to set a path for our kids and sometimes my concerns come that by trying to do that, maybe you kind of rail them from what their own path is. You try to kind of set them into specific school. You try to use guide them through. But kind of the concern sometimes comes to the point of if she is supposed to listen to her heart, uh, how can I help her and not kind of impose my own goals and aims into her?
1: Well. If you want your children to listen to their heart, uh, then you should listen to your heart. And then they'll figure out, they'll know what that means. You know, children, my, my theory, I don't know, I never heard this from anybody else, I don't think, but my theory is that we, we absorb how our parents see themselves. And then we learn to see ourselves that way. We don't see ourselves necessarily the way our parents see us. We see ourselves the way our parents saw themselves. So the best thing you can do for your kids is to work on yourself. Of course, for anybody, that's the best thing you can do. And then from that work on yourself, you extend to others the best you can, you can do, you can, what you can give. You know, each, every being comes in with their own particular karmic load and they're going to have to live out their own lives and the best thing we can do is make sure that they know that they're loved regardless of our own bullshit we love them you know and and then just try to do the best we can to help them find the strength to live a good life themselves you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And especially in these days, it's very obvious. Nobody knows what's going on. So, you know, but the way we treat our children, the way we see our children, that has a, they, they absorb our, own, our stuff. You know, and a lot of times you might look at your kids and you, you, you say, Where do they get that stuff from? And then you go, Oh, yeah, I recognize that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, set a good example rather than try to teach you know I don't, trying to teach kids is you know the first thing they're gonna do is go the other way but if you set an example of openness and love and caring then whatever they do they'll feel at ease, they'll learn to help feel at ease within themselves that's the best I think that's a great thing we can give our children is to feel okay about themselves but how can we do that if we don't ourselves so, in some ways, more of us in the world now are dealing with these issues in a, on the path, so to speak. Whereas when our parents, you know, they didn't have any, they weren't, they, they weren't exposed to the path and they didn't know about the path. They had no idea that what might be possible. We might be beginning to have an idea of what's possible in life. And, you know, to, if we let our kids know that, and regardless of where their stuff takes them, they might have that knowing within themselves too. But, you know, I'm not an expert in anything, and this is one area that, you know, my daughter taught me a lot. You know, I remember one time I came into the room, and I was walking through the kitchen, and she was sitting in the kitchen, and I saw there were dishes in the sink, and I know she was supposed to have done them, and I was in a really bad mood, and I said, where are the dishes in the sink? And she looked up at me like, you know, like, who are you? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You know, she didn't take it personally at all. She's just like, is something wrong with you? You know, it was great. So kids know a lot more than they know they know. So they see us when we don't know we're being seen and so it's good to honor that part of them too, you know, that they know a lot. Okay. Thank and you. Remember, it's not your responsibility to live their lives. You just do the best you can for them and with them, but they have their own lives to live. Just like we do, you know. And when I went away to India and I thought I was never coming back, I didn't tell my parents that. Yeah, you know, like, gone, you know. So. And then when my mother was going to come, wanted to come to India, I said something, she called me on the phone, and long story, but she said, I want to come to India. I said something to her that if my daughter said that to me, I would lock her in a closet. I said, she said, she wants to come to India. I said, I have to ask my guru. she said what you know like what do you mean i'll call you tomorrow bye you know (laughs) so and of course Maharaj already knew she was coming he told me that that morning before so so good luck okay ciao
11: I'm so excited to be able to speak to you on one. It's such a blessing. I came <laughs> to hear you at the San Francisco satsang, I think about five years ago. Uh-huh. And it was amazing. It was the best thing. I was on a date, but we're no longer together with that person. <laughs> but that was the uh-huh. gift. Today.
1: That's good. So you can join my band. Huh? I see you play guitar.
11: Well that's my partner I try. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I yeah, I I over the years I suffer from really great anxiety and I've been doing meditation for a long time. Well, TM for quite a long time now. And I I've been chanting a lot. Like since I've been listening to you, I've been chanting a lot over the last actually since lockdown, I've been really focused on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that the chanting, like last night when I went to bed it was really loud in my head like I was lying there trying to fall asleep and it was just really loud over and over and over and I was like oh my goodness like I I don't I don't want to feel anxious about it so I kind of breathed and tried to relax into it and just trusted it's going in my head for whatever reason but I wondered I wondered if if because I don't want it to have detrimental effect I want it to obviously uh, I hear myself I want (laughs) but um I'm think I'm. I guess I'm wondering when you first started chanting a lot. Did you have that experience, and did it feel overwhelming sometimes in your in your mind?
1: First of all, it's in your mind that the chanting is really going on in the first place. If it wasn't going on in your mind, it wouldn't be coming out of your mouth.
6: <laughs> right.
1: So just because you close your mouth doesn't mean that the chant is going to stop. In fact. They say there's a, a level where the chance, all these chants are always going on. And as we access that level and enter into it, our, uh, we, we get absorbed into it. We get, we get we al- it allows us to release the anxieties and the fears and the thoughts and everything. So yeah, the thing about falling asleep also is many of us have a lot of anxiety about falling asleep. When we can't sleep, and it ne- never occurs to us, why don't we just sit up and meditate for a while? As soon as you sit up and meditate, you'll fall over on your on your face, sleeping. So, <laughs> But we lie there and we're like, ah, yeah, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, you know. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Just sit up. If you want to fall asleep, just sit up and say, okay, now we'll meditate. You'll be asleep in two seconds. <laughs> but the whole idea of the chanting, of course, again and again, is when you... It, you you release whatever you're thinking or feeling, and come back to the chant again and again and again and again and again, and it gives you it you develop the ability to do that, and it starts to happen automatically over time. So anything you're feeling fear, anxiety, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, becomes something to let go of. So you even said you didn't want it to be what did you say detrimental or something or there's one thing in this universe that's 100% sattvic and pure and positive is the name of god you know your ego might panic a little bit because uh, you well, what will happen if i do this what will happen if this and it's too strong you know too strong for what just let go
3: mm.
1: you know it, because it's your own name you're chanting it's not something else it's mm. the name of who you really are mm. so you have nothing to fear there's, uh, except fear itself, so to speak.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there's no, that's just another passing emotion, which sooner or later you get to recognize so you can let go and come back.
3: Mm.
1: And But the, the sleep thing, I know a lot of people have a lot of anxiety, and sometimes when I wake up in the, middle of the night I can't fall asleep, you kind of, yeah, you get a little tense. You're trying, trying to fall asleep. You sit up, watch TV, you know, play yeah. your partner's guitar, turn on the amp three in the morning no
2: problem
1: (laughs) get back into bed you know so keep repeating the name that's all as much as possible in whatever situation doesn't have to be out loud you can. it doesn't have your, your lips don't have to move they can or not but and sooner or later you're you're sooner or later the part of you that's always reacting and interacting with stuff, that part of you just thins out. And you're sitting more deeply in yourself, you're sitting in the name.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, and, and it goes on and you're at ease. So just keep letting go, that, that's, that's the main, that's the, that's the instruction. And keep coming back to the chant. And it doesn't have to be out loud, you know, sing, lie in bed. and Imagine you're singing to, with millions of people because you are mm. so just, yeah. So, but nothing bad can come from chanting.
7: It,
1: it, you might like uh, this friend of mine once wrote to me and she said she, she and her husband were getting divorced. I said, why? He said, well, you know, he's, he's really not into your chanting. I said, yeah so well I, I you know i play it all around the house it's in the kitchen the living room the bathroom the bedroom the hallway the garage and you know, it's one of those speaker systems that play it. i said turn it the fuck off and save your marriage what's wrong with you so they're still married <laughs> so if you want to get rid of them start playing the chants all day in the house on the sound system but if not keep it inside
11: yeah, i think he's getting quite into it. actually he won't admit it but i think he is I have one more question, if you don't mind. Is so, that okay? Yeah. I wanted to, I just wanted to ask you what, when you were named Krishna Das, how did, how did that come about, that particular name and how did it feel to you?
1: felt horrible. <laughs> you know, we were, Maharaji is, is Hanuman and we were immersing ourselves in this, in the, the, the Ramayana and the Ramcharitmanas, the story of Rama. And I was in a Hanuman temple, and everybody had Das names, you know, which is Hanuman was servant, Ram Das, and this Das, and that Das, you know. So Maharaji had taken the keys to Ram Das's car away and given them to me. And he said, You're the driver. And Ram Das is a saint, he has to go on the public transportation, but you're the driver. You have to drive the car. <laughs> so for about, a, for some long period, like six months, my name was driver. You know, so I, I had written in my diary that morning. Well, I guess I'll always be driver. And I, you know, because I wanted an Indian name like all the other people. So that morning I get to the temple and I get called into the room and Maharaji looks at me and says, Arjun, nay, Krishna, nay, Krishna das. I said, Krishna Das? <laughs> what about Ram? What is this story here? You know, and he laughed. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. Hanumanji served Krishna too. So, that's how I got my name. Mm,
11: thank you so much. All righty. so much. And I look forward to starting the course with you on Wednesday.
1: Ah, wonderful. Very good. Bye. Take care.
11: Namaste.
10: So, uh, um, I want to tell you I love you, I want to tell you why I love you, and then I want to ask you a question.
1: All right. Skip the so, first two. Thank you. Um
10: <laughs> no, no, I can't because it it does it hinges on the other ones, well, I guess it doesn't really so so I just noticed just the other day that we're a lot alike in a way, except for it so it's weird, like I uh, met Ram Das when I was twenty something uh-huh. you know my version was in paper, right uh be here now, mm-hmm. and that was kinda cool, totally my mind explained so I, like when you say your heart exploded when you knew that that what you were looking for. Existed mm-hmm. right? when you met him. I knew that too. But instead of going off to India and trying, because I didn't realize that Maharaji, I mean, this is much later, it's like 1990 something when, yeah. when I discovered him, but yeah. I was in the same kind of state. And uh, instead of running to over to India to try to figure out if this person was still around or whatever, mm-hmm. which I don't know if it said in the book or whatever, I, I like you, I, Instead, I was raising my son because I it was, it was young. You know, mm-hmm. I was a young father. And so then I, I got busy doing that, raising him. And then I let it go for a long, long time until I had like a midlife crisis eventually. My son had uh, signed a lease when he was 23. And at that time, I figured what was the point of me being here in the, in the you know, being married and everything. So I left my wife. And that was really crazy. So, but that led me to you. Actually, I started seeing a younger girl, and uh, which ended up being a disaster. But not all of it was a disaster because she took me to a Kashi ashram in Sebastian, Florida, where I met. I saw the big, you know, statue of Maharaji that's there, and I do not know what it was, but my my heart exploded on, like like an atom bomb. Where I'm having some visions <clears throat> of him in my car and things like this, and I eventually left her, but not before because I wanted to know more it was before i before i I found you because I wanted the soundtrack to whatever this was that I was experiencing and i I didn't even realize when I went to kashi that i was that it was maharaji that was that that I was even looking at in the in the the Lurti there. And so I ended up finding the soundtrack, which was you. And then from there, I, I've listened to all your podcasts. It's been, been amazing. But I, so, so thank you. And I, it's been like, it's really beautiful that what you have done. Because now I'm back with my wife. I chant every day. I bought a harmonium. I sing along. I do all these things. It's, it's, you, you have made such an incredible impact on in my life for just the last three or years or so that this has happened. But my question is this, is do you, do you have any, any ties with Kashi at all? Like, do you know who Ma is? You, sure. yeah.
1: I was with her when she first got started seeing people, but um, I left that situation long before, long ago. Yeah.
10: Yeah. I read her book that just came out, the, how God found me. And it, I was like, wow, I, I knew that there was a connection there, but I didn't realize at, w- at what level. And that, that was, that was curious to me. And then and, um, I was thinking like, if you ever came down, I would love to know if you come down. Cause I would love to see you I'm in person. So yeah,
1: I haven't been, there. I was there once, not too long ago to visit a friend who was dying, but I, I don't go there very often.
10: Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say thank you. And I love you for everything that you have done for me. It's, you, I can't express it in words, how grateful I am. And you don't even know me, but it, I hope everybody gets this
1: from you, Thank you. it's beautiful. Thank you very Thank much. You.
12: Take care. Hi, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. Can't see you.
12: <laughs> no, it's really early in the morning in Australia, and I <laughs> am not fit to be seen, and I'm also whispering so it's my neighbors... It's always
1: early in the morning.
12: <laughs> right, okay. I'm whispering so my neighbors don't hear. Oh, OK yeah
1: Catch us together
12: <laughs> thank you so much for your service krishna das it's meant um, a lot and um, i don't know i have a soup of thoughts and emotions and i'm hoping a question kind of makes itself clear i guess you know maharaji grabbed me a couple of years ago, and it was a big shock because, you know, I was raised Jewish, in fact, so the idea of a guru was, you know, went against the conditioning a lot, and it was a big shock, but I, you know, felt this, just, you know, these kind of supernatural big experiences and my spiritual past started getting pretty crazy and lots of really out there experiences that I wasn't looking for, really big explosive spirit, spiritual experiences that disrupted my life more than, wow. you know, it was like like I was on acid when I wasn't, you know. And then I got into some unwittingly very dangerous situations around some very dangerous spiritual people. And I understand that you may have had some similar Experiences people that use their cities to manipulate me, and I, you know, someone I was I was in a chanting group, and someone in that group, I I, I won't go into it too much, but that I was assaulted, you know, and stalked for a long time, uh-huh. and the and the sangha responded just terribly, you know, people, you know, people just said, well, we, we can't believe you, we don't know if it's true or not, you know, it was this very regressive kind of response, and I've had a lot of really frightening spiritual experiences too which i wasn't looking for you know i've been on this path to save my life basically you know i had a drug addiction that was really really taking me out 10 years ago so you know it was like this has never been a hobby for me the spiritual path it's always been yeah. my lifeline there's no option you know and i found in all of this i feel more separate <laughs> ironically you know a lot of a lot of the issues like, I am a better person. I'm more honest. I have more integrity. And I've never felt more separate from the world, really, including all the sanghas that I've been to, you know, and, and then, you know, there's this (laughs) feeling so separate, because my life is so devoted to, to, to knowing God and to knowing the truth. And it, it, it alienated a lot of the people that I'd known in my life you know because it was i was on this path that was just so different and then i found i don't know how to be in the world you know i I, a lot of my interest in the world dropped away not that i don't have desire of course do it's just that i i haven't i haven't been able to meet that that edge you know that intersection of spirit and matter i i in a way, in a way, I've done better in the world of spirit than I have in the world of matter, you know. But it's been, you know, it's been such a difficult journey. Ramdas said to me, "He, I spoke to him, was lucky enough to speak to him, and he said that is a very difficult incarnation." And you know, it's. I think on the back of that, I lost faith in Maharaji. You know, I actually got very angry at Maharaji that under his auspices, so many horrific things had happened. And let me say that the horrific things that happened really mirrored a lot of the childhood experiences too. And I don't say I don't have any responsibility for it. You know, on some level, I must have known people were not, you know, I assume that there was some acting out of the past. But, you know, I've been so furious at Maharaji and still he's on my puja table, still he's everywhere. But it's like, I lost, I started feeling like God was punishing me, you know, and I realized this is a and sort of an issue that humanity has. But I haven't known how, what, does, what does faith mean and how to reconcile with Maharaji. And I turned away for a while, you know, I still would pray to him, or, but I wouldn't, you know, ask him anything because I felt like, you led me down the garden path, how could you? At times I felt like maybe he was giving me the grace of teaching me how to love God in a world where God has so many faces, including the face of darkness. Uh, but I have been lost and I, I don't know who to ask because, the, you know, the idea of an, of an astral guru who's, you know, again, I know the guru is inside, but, they, you know, Maharaji made himself known. <laughs> anyway, I'm rambling, but I think you get the There's a question in there, in that soup somewhere. I guess so. As far as Maharaji goes,
1: uh, he said this many times. He said, once I take hold of your hand, I never let go, even when you let go of mine. So there's no question of whether you're angry at him or mad at him or... We always let go of His hand, that's that's what we do, but He never lets go of us. So He's within us and also He was in a body for a while, but it's within us that we feel that, who He is. It's not outside of us. And it's you who are making the distinction between spirit and matter, or the world and the spiritual world and the... the, the root. The, the, the daily world, that's your mind, that's your, that's your thing there. You need more love, that's all. You need to find that love inside of you and you need to allow your heart to embrace everyone and everything, little by little. But first you have to find it in yourself a little bit. And uh, it's not a, an emotion It's not a passing fancy. It's not a particular state of mind. It's the interconnectedness of all of us, regardless of who we think we are. Our souls are one. (laughs) And when we move towards that place, we start to release our traumas and our, our subjective versions of what's going on. And yes, there are a lot of hungry people out there, and many of them are gurus, so-called gurus. It's okay, they have to pay for that, you don't. They, all of us will, will bear the fruit of our karmas. It's not up to us to judge others, it's only us up, to, up to us to do the best we can to live in a good way. Nothing else matters, what other people do. And uh, so, some some surrender is required, you know. Relaxing of your heart. And you can't look for answers. There are no answers. There's only letting go. And that too. Let go. You owe it to yourself, not to anyone else. To find that love within you. It's not a thing. It's who you are. It's what... It's... It's where we're at home within ourselves.
12: Did you find that I found the longer I've been on the path, which is sort of between 10 and 20 years now, that I'm getting kind of to the more the core wounds, which... It's, it's gotten a little bit harder in that sense that, um, you know, as the layers kind of have been peeled off. And so, you know, in getting, getting to who I am, it's, it's like walking through those years in a way. Once again, let go.
1: And find a way to let go if you need to talk to people if you need to do counseling or therapy, if you need to do whatever you have to do to get the strength to release that stuff. You don't have to understand it, you don't have to digest it, you need to release it.
6: Mm.
1: And it's no and there will always be shadows that arise and our, our only option in the long run is to release those things. But sometimes it's hard to to do that. So some daily practice of releasing is very important. And releasing doesn't mean pushing away. It doesn't mean trying to understand. It doesn't mean reading about it. It doesn't mean re, re, reliving it. It means releasing, period. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is you're thinking, whatever story you're telling yourself about, what your life is, or what it isn't, you can still let go of that. And when you can't let go anymore, you will be love, reality, truth, being, the self, the one, Buddha nature. But until Mm. that moment, you can let go.
12: Yeah, and I'm guessing it's not the job of of the guru to stop
1: the job of the Guru is to allow us to live, to survive our karmas.
12: Yeah.
1: Which they do. You still have to live through them. Ramdas had to live through that stroke. Yeah. It was the grace of Maharaja that allowed him to overcome all the negative aspects of the stroke and turn it into the path for him, yeah. which he did. There's nobody to blame for our own states of mind, except ourselves. And even that you can't do, because all of that is also fruition of karmas coming, coming into this moment. Let go again and again and again and again. Breathe, relax, take it easy, let go. And find out how you can become kind to yourself.
8: Thank
1: you. You're welcome.
5: Hey, Katie. <clears throat> thank you so hi, much hi. for your time today. You know, I, I know Maharaji has been a good part of your life. And I just want to say thank you for being you, because you have really shifted my life and in, in very, very profound ways. So thank you for being you.
1: Thank you. I, 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 I tried to be other people, but I failed.
4: <laughs> i understand that <laughs> so my question is i guess in yoga philosophy we're like in the kali Yuga, right mm-hmm. and here we are in this very unprecedented time and you know a lot of masters have said chanting can be one of the best practices when we're in these dark or challenging times as you've been talking about this whole chai and chat I guess in your opinion, (laughs) there seems to be a lot of confusion in spiritual circles. Like some people think, okay, we're coming out of the Kali Yuga. We're going into this Aquarian age where things are going to be bright, shiny. But also as a Kirtan singer myself, I'm curious about like any special deities, particular mantras that you are finding helpful, especially right now. You know, I know it's all one, (laughs) like this, right? All one, all one but yeah you know like durga has a certain energy shiva has a certain energy the gayatri has energy i don't what?
1: i don't feel that way
4: okay okay it's
1: all it's, these are all the names of love these are all the names of what lives within us as who we are okay already it's not something else it's not somewhere else it's within us all these names lead to the same place they're the names of the same place
0: okay. all
1: these so called deities are forms of our own true nature. You could, Whatever you sing is fine. It doesn't make any difference. Sing what you like. If you think about it, you're not doing it. So I would just do it.
4: Okay. I know because Jordan calls it my squeeze box. He says, bring the squeeze box.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and squeeze let's that box and, and don't uh, think about it. Okay. Yeah. I really, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I follow my heart, but it seems to be uh, semi-useful. So I keep doing it.
4: And how about the Kali Yuga? How about
1: it? What a, fun, <laughs> what a fun ride, eh?
4: Do you feel we're at the end?
1: How the fuck do I know? I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't oh. even find the bathroom in the middle of the night. How am I going to find the end of the Kali Yuga? Don't certain
5: scriptures sorry. say certain things. What, what
1: the difference? You ain't gonna, neither one of us are going to be here when and if it actually ends. So what's the same
4: Okay. Some people say it's ending now.
1: Yeah, well, maybe it's already over. Who knows? Nobody All knows.
4: Right. And the All people right. who
1: know, they don't say let's put it that Uh way okay it's not necessary that's just that's just fear mongering or an attempt to control your own trip and manipulate your emotions and just fucking live do what you have to do to be a good person treat other people the way you want to be treated and the Kali Yuga will take care of itself
4: and I'll second what Jordan said I created a watch party from one of your Kirtans
1: online. Uh Nice. People
4: found you that don't even know you. When they when they
1: find out who I am, tell them to tell me. (laughs)
12: Hi, hi. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for everything. It's been really fantastic.
1: Wonderful.
12: It's been really gracious of all you guys, and and you know it's an honor and a privilege to be able to give back. And yeah, I'm looking forward to taking the course. And so is another friend of mine. She's on here too. And, the very, you know, it's it's a privilege to be able to give back during this time to you. Thank guys. you. Thank you. Thanks for doing what you guys do. So, huh, so yeah, so my question was, let's see. Uh, let me take a breath here. I'm a little excited. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got a little ahead of myself. The caffeine caught up with me. All
12: right, drink more. It's
1: good for you to get a point where it just <laughs> mellows out. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
13: I'm a little scared to
3: drink more than I have.
1: After the nervous breakdown, it slows down.
3: So my question is, have you ever
10: sang the Gayatri Mantra music to Melody?
1: I might have sung it a few times, but I don't really know it very well. It's not something that we were exposed to in India uh, when I was there. I mean, we knew about it. We know about it. And a lot of people do sing it, and it's supposed to be one of the big-time mantras. But like I said, it wasn't something that came to us Naturally, in our time in India, uh, uh, through our, whatever we were doing, so it's not something I do very often. Mm, okay, it's lovely. I mean, it's a great mantra. Obviously, it's very powerful.
10: Yeah, I keep thinking it would, it would sound really good with the percussion. And I'm you know, sure people do it.
1: Uh, who did I hear did it? Maybe Dave and Miten do a version of it. That's very nice. i do? I'm not sure. Yeah. So they there.
0: actually chant it every day live on Facebook too.
1: There really? they go. Yeah. Tell them I sent you, and then duck.
2: <laughs> thank you for doing everything that you do
5: You're welcome. and, and uh, I don't have really any question of my own I just want to hear a little bit about Hanumanji if you tell one or two sentences about you that will make me <clears throat> happy nothing else I don't need anything you know,
1: Hanumanji is, is Maharaji used to say who is Hanuman and we give him all the, the you know the stock answers or the the son of the wind, the servant of Ram, the da da, and he'd say, Nek, Hanumanji is the Ram Kisvas. He say, "Hanuman is the breath of Ram, the breath of Ram." He say, "He's not a monkey, he's the breath of Ram." And uh, very powerful statement, you know. In the in the Gospels, the the in in the word used for Holy Spirit in the Gospels, is the word for breath. And it became, it means holy breath. It was translated later as spirit because of the, who knows why, but there's the issues of the, the church wanting to control people's spirituality and take it out of the body and make it just you know somewhere else so they could sell it and own people. But not, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Holy breath. And Maharaji said Hanuman, Krishna and Christ are the same, you know, all, all the same. The breath of God, the breath is what brings life. It's the connection between, that keeps, uh, keeps us alive and keeps our souls alive. So Hanuman is that. And being that, that breath removes obstacles and allows us to, to find out our true nature and, you know, and, uh, the temple that Maharaji made up in the mountains, Kenchi, was originally what is called now Sri Nimkuroli Baba temple, Hanuman Temple and Ashrams. But that's not what he called it. You see, they had to rebuild the, the, the arch and the bridge over the river because they were falling down. And when they rebuilt it, they called it that. He called it the Sri Dwight. That's the secret. Dwight the non-dual destroyer of suffering, non-dual, all one. This is where Maharaji lived. This is who he is, the non-dual destroyer of suffering. When Rama asks Hanumanji, how do you see me? He says, well, when when I'm identified with the body, I serve you. When I'm identified with with the, I think he said mind, or the soul. I am, you are the whole and I am a part. But when I know the truth, you and I are one. So Hanumanji is free, Hanumanji lives all the time. He's present in all, Maharaj said, Hanuman is present in all ages
9: and all times. My question is about letting go. You have discussed this quite a bit. So right now I'm in a situation where my relationship has ended and part of me knows that it is over. And part of me is clinging upon things that things might work out, things might work out. And I'm realizing that it is with everything that I am attached to, not just in relationship realm. So, I want to know like, what is it that might make it easier for me to let it
8: go and just surrender to it the way it is.
1: Welcome to the club. Human, The human being club, you know, I don't know if that's the right question. What would make it easier for me? I don't know if that's the right question. I think probably what I would ask myself is, what is it that I'm, why am I clinging? What am I clinging to and why? What am I, what what do I get from the relationship that I feel I don't have? What do I get from the relationship that I feel I need? That I, what, I what, what do I feel, what am I missing in myself that I think I'm getting from a relationship? You know, my Indian father, Mr. Tiwari, was a great yogi, married, family, world, you know, very involved in the world, headmaster of a big school, you know. So one time I was telling him all about this woman that I was very much in love with. And he listened very patiently. And then when i finished going on and on and on, he finally says to me, my boy, relationships are business. Do your business in joy, but love, he said, love is last 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Love is our true being. Love is our heart. Love is our soul. We, we can learn a lot from relationships about ourselves because It's business, it's give and take. And I hated him for saying that. I didn't talk to him for like days. I was so pissed off. I mean, what the fuck he's saying? Loves my relationship to business. What do you mean by that? You know, but finally I got with the program, you know, and I understood what he was saying. You know, we're human beings. We need relationships. We're in relationships to everything. some things we get involved with for lots of reasons so really we need to ask ourselves what 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 do i get from that why why am i wanting that and also you know being honest with ourselves that we do want this so what but what is it about it that i want why do i want it so badly why do i feel you know listen you're looking at a guy who had two nervous breakdowns because of relationships i mean totally out the fucking lunch hallucinating, out of my mind, ready to kill myself. So I'm talking from experience. So it's big-time stuff. It's really big-time stuff. So take it seriously, the whole process of, of being in, being out, of wanting, of not getting, all that stuff. Take it seriously, but be also recognize what it does to you. Why, how does this have the power to hurt me so much? What is that hole I'm trying to fill up in my heart with this stuff? And when I'm not getting it, I'm in a panic. And when I have it, I have to hold on to it. You can't do either. You can't hold on. You all, you can't let go. So it's just a very painful place. It's snowing. Is it snowing where you are? Video. No, I'm (laughs) in (laughs) California. Wow, big snowstorm here in upstate New York. Yeah, so be patient with yourself, okay, really. Give yourself a break. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. What we're here to learn is how to be good to ourselves, and that's the hardest part. You know, we're so uncomfortable with our feelings and looking at ourselves and seeing our stuff. But it's okay. It's all okay. Everything you're feeling is, it's not wrong. It might hurt, but it won't always hurt.
9: So it is like, uh, there are things that I regret. Like I have always this if else thing going on. Like if I would have done this, it would have been different. If I would have done this, it would have been different. I'm just living in the past, trying to. Well, you know,
1: have you thought, I I don't know what state your relationship in, but communication is not a bad idea.
9: Yeah, I try to talk and try to to talk with my parents and everything,
1: but... Uh, Write a letter, email, send a telegram, have flowers delivered. Do whatever you feel you have to do to accomplish what you want. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least you've given it your best shot. And next time, maybe you won't do the same shit, you know? If you think there's a possibility, even if there's no possibility, you can apologize too. And that will help your own heart. And on the other hand, it takes two to tango. So whatever you've brought to the relationship, she's also brought her stuff. Whatever you were reacting at, she was also reacting. So all you can do is take responsibility for your own feelings. And it's never a bad idea to apologize for any pain you've caused. Period without wanting anything in return. Just to apologize is good. And to forgive for any pain that was given. Well, that's, that's the best I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
10: <laughs> Thank you so
1: much. All right. Be well. Yeah, I'm it is snowing its ass off here. This is unbelievable.
5: Wow
13: nice to kind of virtually meet you. I was just wondering, I've got two questions. The first one is, if you're dedicated to your practice, will you come back and remember quicker? (laughs) Where are you going? Every time I get lost, I come back, I get lost, I, I remember. And when I get lost, I go, why does it take me so long to come back and remember?
1: that's also a thought you're still lost back is when you're when you're not thinking when you're aware of your thoughts and not thinking them and the changes the real changes happen under the radar we can't be caught in evaluating how we're doing on the path it's not useful because it's all bullshit <laughs> it's like it's like being on a rowboat going down a river and thinking that the bank of the river is moving because yeah. we feel still but it's not like that so those useless thoughts, they're not real, they're not accurate, they have no reality at all. It's just more stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, which we love to hear. We love to hear ourselves thinking about ourselves all the time. That's what we do.
13: <laughs> but it I'm not very good about being disciplined. So if you Welcome if to you... the
1: Club. Who gives a shit? Just <laughs> be yourself. Okay. And when you do practice, give it your best shot. That's all. Yeah, I do. That's all.
13: And um, then the other question I wanted to ask you is because I love Maharaji and I've read all the stories and I've got barefoot in the heart here. And, but sometimes I hear the stories where he got really angry with people. Mm-hmm. And I was just yeah. wondering, is that tough love where he felt that was the best thing, you think, for that person at the time? Like to put no them out?
1: For, there was a guy who lived in, the, in Kenchi, in the village. Actually, yeah. from whom the land from, for the temple was bought. His name was Purnanand. And he had, at the time, I think he had 10 children or 12 children. And he had no job. And he smoked hash all the time. So Maharaji created a job for him,
3: mm-hmm.
1: which was every time one of the public buses came from the nearby town on the way to the next town, he would make a check on a piece of paper. Bus came. And for that, he was paid a certain amount of money. Yeah. So, one day, Purnanand comes to the temple, and Maharajahs—we're just sitting with Maharajas, very easy, sweet time of the evening, very kind. very And as minute he sees Purnanand, he sits up like this, and he just watches him like this, and he's and, and he starts screaming at him, and Purnanand starts shaking but it's too late. He can't back away. He can't go away. So he has to come forward to Maharaji and he puts his head down like this and Maharaji starts pounding him on the back with his <laughs> fist, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: hitting him again like this. And then. Well, he put it down and runs away. And the minute he's gone, Maharaji goes,
2: <laughs>
1: and he laughs. He said, we didn't know what it was about. We later found out he had just gotten paid for the month from the job that Maharaji created for him. And he had just spent all the money on a month's worth of hashish to smoke. And again, for another month, Maharaj is going to have to feed his whole family, which he's been doing every month for years. So for that, he got a little beating on the back because he's an asshole. But that didn't mean he didn't love him.
13: (laughs) So he didn't put him out of his heart. Oh, of
1: course not. And he kept feeding his family and God kept on buying the hash. There was no, you know... And he did what had to be done for the, for everyone's, you know, these great beings, they only have one motivation, doing what has to be the best thing that has to be done for everyone they come in contact with. They're not here for themselves. They've already made it. They're, they've become the whole universe. They're living in ecstasy and love in truth and being. They don't want anything they have everything they're only here out of compassion for us idiots who have no n- don't know anything <laughs> and everything they do what a re- everything a real saint does a bodhisattva does is for the benefit of all beings and everyone in front of them so we can say that whatever reason maharaji demonstrated that anger for that period mm-hmm. for that few minutes you could I suppose you could say that he was removing some negative karma from the guy, from the fact, from his own behaviors, you know, from essentially taking the money and not feeding his family and all this stuff, who knows? But it was rare, but Maharaj said, you know, never throw anybody out of their, your heart, so, and- uh, But
13: I think it is very helpful to watch that because if you're not good, with boundaries and putting people who aren't so good for you out, you don't have to put them out of your heart, but mm-hmm. you do have to put them out of your life. Way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: for sure. No question. We need to learn to take care of ourselves
13: mm-hmm.
1: and do what's best for us. And then we can also ex- extend that to others and do what's best for everybody we meet. So,
13: just about getting the balance.
1: Yeah. Well, it's all about learning to take care of ourselves which is what we never were taught to do yeah our parents didn't know what that meant you know for the most part right mm-hmm. they just lived their lives bouncing off of this and that prisoners of their own emotions their own worries their own fears and suffering and trying to get this and trying to get that so nobody trained us to do that but that's what spiritual life is about learning how to take care of ourselves and extending that care to everyone
13: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank You're you welcome. so much.
1: Thank you. you take care. Bye.
5: Bye.
4: My question is, you know, I've been practicing and I do yoga and all of these things, and I'm a recovering addict, and I find myself getting wrapped up in a lot of anxiety, anger, like, you know, Monday comes and I'm, really good and i'm real patient and tolerant and then as the week wears on it seems to to wear down to you know very barely Mm
3: -hmm.
4: and i'm just curious like how do i keep that up you know how do i keep my patience and my tolerance up because you know i've noticed i'm really good in in big crisis situations but it's like the little things
11: Mm.
4: in life get me, you know, really irritate me. So I, I'd like to kind of know how to, I guess, alleviate that, please.
1: Well, once again, asking the, the, the mind to destroy the mind or to cure the mind, blah, blah, blah. It's like asking the thief to be the, the policeman. You can't fix it on the level it exists. You can only recognize it and let go again and again. In other words, you're, you're, you're getting caught reacting to what you think is your, you call your anxiety, which is already a reaction of some kind. And, and also, you, it's probably, uh, it's one of the contributing factors to the fact that you, self, you self-medicated so, for yourself so intensely for a period of time. Not because there's a, a, a serious wave of this. You always feel underneath that pushes you around. So you're always kind of positioning yourself to deal with that. But the best way to deal with it is to be aware of it and notice it, what, how, how you're positioning yourself in relation to that and see how like it's always there. Ah, okay, it's showing up like this now. Ah, showing up like this. So, and letting go again and again. By noticing, you're already not caught. Even if you're still feeling it, you're not completely submerged in it when you notice it. So, So, when you do your practice, don't try to have any particular type of experience, okay? Don't try to feel good. Don't try to push this stuff away and and create a little safe place for you there's no safe place except who you are already so as you sit there or do what you do sing meditate watch your breath be with whatever comes and keep releasing when you get caught release let go release get caught Release. that's the deal and by the by training yourself to recognize and let go, you'll find that that will happen automatically in situations off, off the mat, so to speak. It's a, it's, a, it's a learned response that you train yourself in. So like something will start to happen and you'll see it. And you go, oh. And then you let go. The letting go is not a, it's not, how can I say it? it's not, It's not pushing it away. It's not holding on to something else. It's releasing. And when you release, you're automatically back for a millisecond. And then you're gone again. So, but that's why we do practice. Because in that little period of practice, whatever it is, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is that you do, you're working on that letting go muscle. And that muscle will continue to function and get stronger and stronger as time goes on. But the real changes happen off the radar, Mm -hmm. under the radar. You can't sit around and evaluate, how am I doing? Because when we're really at ease, we're not, like, noticing necessarily. We only notice when we're really fucked up, you know? But what happens is we feel bad less of the time, but we don't notice it. We spend less and less time in negative states of mind. That's one of the fruits of practice, but you don't notice that. Otherwise, you're not. Oh, wow. I'm spending less and less time in negative states of mind. Pride is a negative state of mind. So forget it. You know, that's why the real changes happen under the radar. And you just do your practice, live your life. And you know what? Treat other people the way you want to be treated. And you will not have a problem in the world. It's not easy because some people are assholes, but that doesn't mean you can't treat them the way you want to be treated. That takes strength, courage, and real dedication to, to, to the path and, and being who you really are. So it can be done and you're doing it. Don't sit around evaluating and then making up a story about it's not good enough and I'm fucking up and it happens like this. Who knows how it happens? Who gives a shit how it happens? Live, that's all. Every minute is new, don't worry.
5: I just wanted to say thank you. You've been important in my life these last, well, I still think of the nineties as recent, but (laughs) (laughs) in the recent decades. And I really appreciate it. You doing what you do, I think makes it easier for us to do what we do. And it works. And thank you so Now much. you're going to teach me to play harmonium. And oh, really
10: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I
5: had to pick that instead of the class coming up. But I just, I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for what you do.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
5: Bye-bye.
6: <laughs> Katie, oh. it's such a, such a pleasure to be here to see you. It's been a long time. The last time I... How you perform live was in San Francisco 13 years ago, probably. Oh my. Yeah. Prior to that, about 15 years ago, I was having monkey dreams, nightmares of monkeys. And huh. at that time, my friend, our mutual friend, Laura Farrow, I don't know if you remember her from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. She was ending, she was moving towards the end of her, her time in her body. Yeah. And I went to sit with her after you had been there to visit with her. Yeah. And I had never been in her home. We'd been in a lot of other places together, but never in her home. And when I entered her house and I walked up the stairs and on either side of that hallway, pictures of Maharaji and Hanuman, a monkey god. <laughs> I had no idea of him. And I'm like, is this a house of horrors? <laughs> what have I walked into? Huh. So as those days, Went on, and she loved her body, and her memorial was planned, and the venue kept getting moved, someplace larger and larger and larger. You weren't able to come, yeah, but I you know. sent, yeah you, yeah, you sent somebody to uh, perform the Hanuman Chalisa. Uh-huh. I had I had never heard it, but as I sat there with hundreds of people who loved her and the majority loved Maharaji. I, I knew, I knew the words. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden those monkey dreams started to make sense. Mm-hmm. And it was through that that I found my way to this path and Maharaji and, and, and you. And I really don't have a question. I just want to express my gratitude.
1: Thank you, thank you. Laura was a beautiful being. She was just a beautiful being. Amazing.
13: Yes. Yeah.
6: So that's all. I love you and I thank you. So, first, thank you for this. And also thanks to Nina.
7: Nice to see you. Well, I, I love your stories from Maharaji. So I would
8: like you could just share with us in India. What's living with him?
1: Well, you know, when I, for the first year and a half or so, we, We didn't live in the temple, we stayed nearby and we'd go see him, we'd go to the temple in the morning and then we'd see him usually in the mornings and then they would feed us and we would take a nap and then in the afternoon we'd see him again early evening before we had to get on the bus to go back to Nanital, to the town. We didn't spend a lot of physical time with him really considering at that point, But oh, but... It was, almost, it was like sunbathing. There's almost so much sun you can take before you start to burn. So he gave us just enough and then sent us away and then came back. You know, it was, he played with us a lot. He'd send us away and then, it was interesting, you know, he would send people, send us all away and then people who weren't really into it would like go find other things to do and then he'd let us come back. It was, and Siddhima said to us once that he tested the Westerners really intensely. And I never thought of it like that because it wasn't anywhere I was going, except wherever he was, you know, so, but there were people who were not so into it. So they would just find other places to go. And he didn't teach, we just hung out with him. You know, he'd laugh, he'd talk to us, he'd make a little bit here and there and fruit around and just talk to the Indian people. It was just hanging out, you know. It wasn't all these things and teachings that he gave were over years of hanging out with him, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. But he wasn't a teacher. He was a Siddha. And he, he was somebody he changed you from the inside out. He didn't have to teach you anything. He just he did it, all the changes up you change your karmas. you change your whole life from the inside out and that was fine with us you know we,
10: yeah.
1: all we wanted to do is sing to him and hang out with him that's all we wanted
7: so did you feel all the time his divine presence or there were like days like you felt like you were just with a let's say normal person
1: well i would never use the word divine because it was divine is almost like far away you know high up above It was just funky hanging out in this incredible, intense, loving presence, loving space. It was love, real love, right there, love all the time, laughing, joking, loving, giving fruit. It's just, our hearts just exploded, you know, and they kept exploding. And we were just exactly where we wanted to be. It was no higher than Tao kind of thing, you know, more holy than Tao. It was very simple totally right here on earth, very, very, he loves us as we are. He didn't ask us to do anything. He didn't try to change us. He didn't want us, he didn't need us to be anything else. He he loves us as we are, because he made us this way. So why should he bother changing what he already did?
6: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Thank you.
2: Yeah. All right, you take care, huh?
6: You too.
8: Nice to see you.
2: I'm grateful that your gifts have been shared to the universe my heart has been opened and i i'm i'm grateful okay. so my biggest takeaway from today is there will be lots of investigations and never an arrest and that was powerful for me so thank you yeah
1: that's that's because we can't think ourselves out of a prison that's made of thought.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've been rolling around a lot of grief work and it it's all, it's all tied together about getting out of your own way and allowing your ego to melt. Mm-hmm. And my mantra is lead, lead with your heart, lead with my heart. And that's how I want to Present myself to the universe, and so I'm I'll leave you with that. And I thank you, and I sing your songs and chant. Uh, my Foolish Heart is my my favorite at the moment. Yeah, good,
1: that's a good one.
2: I love that one, and uh, Saraswati is another. Thank you, good. Wonderful. So, thank you, and uh, I'm so grateful to be part of this. Thank you thank so much.
3: You. Hi, Krishnadas. How Hi. are you? Good. I'm in Ireland. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw you in Dublin a few months ago. Cool. cool. And myself, and my wife, Teresa, and we absolutely loved it. It was Wonderful. just such a, a thrill to see good. you and uh, chant with you and dance with you. And uh, we had such good fun. The two of us, we were like two uh, just, just having such fun. And so it's, it's, it's such a great privilege to speak to you. Thank great. you so much. I, my wife asked me a question tonight. She said, she, uh, she said, Baba... Who are you? What are you going to ask Krish... <laughs> what are you going to ask Christian Das? And the first question that came into my mind was, what was, what was Baba's smile like?
1: It was like the whole the sun shining, full blast in your heart, you know? It was mm. so beautiful. He was... He smiled, he laughed. He was so... He was everything. he could be so joyful, and then he'd be like gone for a second and come back. You yeah. know it's amazing. He, but when he were, he was so sweet to us all the time, you know yeah. very kind.
3: yeah, he has he sweetness and love, you know, and like i I, I wanted to see you for, for see you sing for see you chant for so long. And uh, when you came to Dublin, it was just a real privilege and a real honour. And I feel even now, even what's happened in the world, it's even better. Mm-hmm. You know, if his real grace of Baba. And, you know, Baba cracked my heart open in, in Kainchi in 2015. Uh-huh. And he's a, he's a gorgeous being. And, uh, you know, without him, I wouldn't be here. Like, And I wouldn't be with my wife. And I, I wouldn't be alive, to be honest with you. And so it's, it's lovely to be uh, to be in your presence and uh, to hear your chanting. and geez, Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you very much, and thank you for answering the simple question. And God bless you. Have a good one. Okay, Okay? you too. You too. Okay.
1: So I guess that's it for today. We're always together under the umbrella of love wherever we go. Just to remember, that's all we have to do. So... Take good care of yourselves, and I'll try to take care of myself. Take care.
0: Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com k-r-i-s-h-n-a-d-a-s.com We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org k-i-r-t-a-n-w-a-l-l-a-h foundation.org Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram